السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب شرح لي صدري وسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لسان يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علمنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علمنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علمنا إلا ما علمتنا أما بعد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى وبرًا بوالدتي ولم يجعلني جبارًا شقيا والسلام علي يوم ولدت ويوم أموت ويوم أبعث حيا ذلك عيسى بن مريم قول الحق الذي فيه أمترون ما كان لله يتخذ من ولد سبحانه إذا قضى أمرًا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون وإن الله ربي وربكم فاعبدوه هذا صلاة مستقيم Respected friends, last week we spoke about the uh, opening statements of Isa alayhi salatu salam in the cradle. Um, and him, the number one first thing he said that I'm the slave of Allah, made it very clear that this is, should never, whatever is going to happen now is a miracle. But remember, this miracle is only because I am a slave of Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is actually behind my uh, miraculous speaking and my miraculous birth. And then Allah, uh, he already started speaking about the future, what will happen. Allah will give me the book and Allah has made me a prophet yani, in the future. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made me blessed. Remember we used to talk about being a conduit of good wherever we go, being a source of good. So we spend a lot of time speaking about whether, you know, how mubarak are we, how blessed are we wherever we go. And then he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered me to be observant of the prayer. Right? So we spoke extensively about salah, salah with jama'ah in the masjid. Coming connected and praying our salah in the masjid Praying salah and time at home For the w- women And the role of sisters in encouraging their husbands And their sons to go to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And then zakah Allah has ordered me to pay zakah We talked about the relationship with salah and zakah In taking care of two main things The rights of Allah and the rights of fellow humans That if we do these two things Then we're set And the, this is the final words of Rasulullah Take care of your salah and take care of your slaves so take care of the rights of Allah and take care of the rights of the makhluk. Ma'adum tuhayya as long as I'm alive. Uh, meaning there's no situation in which I don't pray. There's no situation when I don't give zakah. Except of course if a person doesn't have it. So this is what we speak, what we, where we stopped last week. Then he continues and he says, وَبَرًا بِوَالِدَتِي And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered me to be virtuous towards my mother. For he has made me neither insolent nor wretched. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks... Uh, shares the statements of Isa salam, opening statements as a young newborn and that he's saying that Allah made me someone who's going to be honorable and virtuous towards my mom why only mother obviously because he didn't have a father otherwise it would be parents so someone may think that uh, you know Isa salam, when he grows up and he finds out that he didn't have a father and then what if he starts finding you know starting doubting his mother's story and you know all of that type of things so he made it very clear that I will always be committed to my mother right and I will believe the miraculous birth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted me although it seems very ajeeb and strange and it is but that's not who I am I'm not going to be someone who's, gonna, who's not going to believe my mother so right after salah and zakah and saying he's an Abdullah comes the role of uh, obedience to the parents and the role of that right we touched upon it a week before as well, just the khidmah and the aspect of serving parents and how we get our, our barakah in our life through that and the role the parents play in, in shaping their children. 
uh, I was um, very, you know, uh, surprised uh, and pleasantly surprised, and I read about this statement. I was just discussing with Sheikh Hossein um, in certain aspects of, you know, children in the issues that we're facing today. And he um, referred to a, a research, uh, which I just checked up, and it was, it was very interesting. When studying children to see what is the um, main factor in, in their religiosity or the lack of afterwards. And when you start studying trends within the community, right, within all communities, faith communities, to see how religious uh, children end up becoming and uh, what causes them to either remain religious or move away from religion and go towards, like, you know, uh, atheism or, or, or um, just hedonism or whatever. So these, you know, you could you could talk about the relationship with whether they went to a Jewish, Islamic, or Christian school, a private school. Which school did they attend? Which um, you know type of people did they have friendship with? Uh, um, uh, what type of wealth background they come from? What type of educational background did their parents come from? There's so many factors that you could study and see the relationship between that and religiosity. But what was so interesting is that one of the, they, after studying all of these trends, they found that the most powerful thing in terms of shaping the children's faith was the relationship with their father. Relationship with their father. That if they had a positive, good relationship with their father, then they were more than likely to remain committed to the faith of their parents and end up becoming, remaining religious. And if that relationship with their father specifically father was strained then there was a very high chance of them pushing away from the religion of their parents or, or religion just in general and uh, I thought that was so true because from my uh, anecdotal you know stories and evidence and, 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 and scenarios that I come across it's that really definitely does seem to be very true that you'll see children who um, not all the case but many times who push away from religion uh, come from extremely religious families But because the relationship between parents and children is very strained In terms of how the religion was presented And how the religion was followed It creates a strong you know, uh, level of, uh, of, of, of dislike To say the least In the mind of the child And they end up disliking not only the parent And their father for example But also whatever they stand for And whatever they practice so in having a very healthy, good relationship between father and son is of extreme importance in preserving the deen. And you could probably, of course, say daughter as well, father and daughter. You know, Allah Adam. But I'm just talking about, you know, the children, the relationship with father is very important. So I want you to go read about this, right? There's so many articles written in the past 20 years. I've seen articles dating back to 2001 and as more recent to as this past year on the relationship between father and son and the role it plays in, in developing their sense of morality, their sense of ethics. And this is what the Christians um, and other authors have written on this research is that um, some of the pastors who are writing was that uh, they come to realize the, in today's society uh, that the, 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 the understanding of religion is, is, it lays heavily on the parent. And so this pastor is like, you know, I, I mean, I don't realize it's all on me. Whatever the future of my kids, how morally upright they're going to be, how ethical they will be, how religious they will be, how God-fearing they will be, etc. It kind of just depends on what I'm doing in my home. 
and they are going to be watching. They're very amazing observers, right? Children, they observe everything. How do they speak? How does mom and dad speak to each other? What do they say when the guests leave? What do they say before the guests come? What do they say when my sibling is absent? about him or her, right? What did they say about uh, you know, uh, their, their own relatives, etc. All of those things. How do they treat their parents? Right? How do they treat their parents in old age? All of those things are being very closely monitored by the little ones. And it either, you know, it develops them. So whatever exposure you give, if you give them you know, secondhand smoke, then what are you going to expect? Messed up lungs, right? If we're smoking, what do you expect them to? They're not going to come out with some healthy lungs. So when we uh, think about that, the role that the parents play at home in shaping and forming the students or the children, it's huge. So when we have these long discussions, and I'm sure all of you do, young parents, Islamic school versus public school versus homeschooling, right? We've all been there, done that, and continue to do that. One thing I think many people after having gone through this discussion will say, no matter what schooling you go to, there's nothing that beats and overrides the environment at home. If you have a strong environment at home, then that is probably the most powerful factor in ensuring that your child remains steadfast. And if the environment at home is not good, then even if you send them to the best of madrasas, what will happen is that the, 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 what, what's taking place at home has a long-lasting effect. And I'm a witness to this, seriously. I mean, uh, you know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, uh, you know, allow all of us to be good parents. You know, seriously, all of us were sitting here listening. Uh, we, you know, uh, we, we, th- we thank Allah that He gave us beautiful parents. And that's why we're sitting here, more than likely, right? For most of us, you know, alhamdulillah, we've been blessed. We weren't tested. But there's a lot of people who do get tested with parents who don't know anything about parenting. And we're seeing that now where it's like, you know, you have this beautiful car, a Rolls-Royce or whatnot, and you take it off-roading, right? What do you expect from it? Right? It's not meant for that to be you know, taken on a dirt trail. So ch- parents who are not um, c- capable of raising their children properly and end up making very major mistakes, emotional, you know, uh, without even realizing it, major abuse of some sort because they just simply don't know what they're doing. And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from falling into this. Because you can genuinely ruin a person's life forever. And then once he's scarred or she's scarred, then they end up scarring their own kids. Right? You see an alcoholic or you see a divorced parent, etc. What happens? That thing just kind of perpetuates, keeps on going through generations. We've seen that in many cases. So we have to make a serious dua, all of us who are parents, that Ya Allah save me from ever doing anything that will harm my children in the long run. You see, none of us probably would intentionally do that. The issue is that we unintentionally mess it up. We unintentionally do things and say things which can become very detrimental for our generations. So who's going to guide us? Allah is, right? This is not a chip that you can put in your brain and just become a perfect parent. Just like we ask Allah for risk, we ask Allah for, you know, everything else. We have to ask Allah, Ya Allah, make me a good parent. Make me a good father. Make me a good mother. But when you don't even think that this is necessary to ask Allah, how are we going to even improve on it, right? We, how many of us sitting here actually ask ourselves, am I a good father? Am I a good mother? How many of us before we go to bed thinking about tomorrow's business meetings? Or are we thinking, was I a good father today? Was I a good mother today? Right? If that, does, if that doesn't cross our mind, then we're never going to do reflection. We're never going to introspect. And we're never going to see where we're going wrong. We're not going to be willing to read books about this. Not, we're not going to be willing to attend parenting workshops and seminars. We're not going to be learning good habits from other parents because we think we're the best. Right? So the first step for that is to do reflection. Continuously ask ourselves, am I doing my job? I've got this huge responsibility of one, two, three, four, five children in my home. And that this is what I'm, I'm responsible to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what happened when we were young, 
Right? You can't allow that to move forward. If someone says, but I, was, I had a very rough childhood, what should I do? Well, guess what? The responsibility now is that you get therapy. The responsibility upon you is now that you actually seek help before you have kids. And if you haven't sought help until you already have kids, then now is the time to be honest that, you know, I've been scarred when I was growing up and I do not know how to be a good parent because I'm just going to perpetuate whatever I went through. Right? This is kind of deep stuff, but I got to say it. So then we have to be honest with ourselves to say, just because someone did something wrong to me, is this right for me to do it to these innocent little kids? No, it's not right. So then, I need to learn how to get myself out of this mess. I need to, I need to go seek help. And my dear brothers on the top, Masala, that's therapy right there. Right? Yeah, you're not getting charged, but that's therapy. Right? Every single time you ask, hey, what do you say? What's your advice on that? 99% of the time, now, is no one wants an answer, jayas, no jayas. They want the whole, you know, explain it to me, calm me down, explain my situation, make me feel like I want to do it, type of thing like that, right? That's therapy right there. So there's no reason for us to have this stigma attached to therapy. When you, you know, when you go ask for help, say, this is my problem, help me deal with it, help me get out of it. If we just understand this aspect, that Allah, we're not God, right? We are all weak. Every single one of us, Allah created is weak, right? And we have strengths and weaknesses, but we all have weaknesses, and we need to build on that, we need to improve on that. And some of us have what we don't have. So the guy next to you has got a lawnmower, you pay him $25, he, 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 you know, he cut your lawn. The guy next to you has got a snowblower, you pay him $50, he, he, he takes care of your thing. It's a give and take. He needs the money, you need your snow clean. It works like that, right? That's how the world works. That's how the world works. So similarly, when it comes to getting help on our personal issues, there's no reason for us to feel, you know, that I'm not going to, you know, lower my guard and I cannot ask for help. Very big deception of shaitan. We need help. We need help. Just like everything else in this dunya, we go to work because we need to bring money to home. We need our sanity. We need our emotional strength. And if we've been scarred through anything in our life, I'm speaking to husbands, I'm speaking to wives, I'm speaking to fathers, I'm speaking to mothers, I'm speaking to sons, I'm speaking to daughters. Whatever relationship that you've had, that you went through some type of difficulty that now is affecting your relationship with your, not only Lord, but a relationship with your spouse, relationship with your son and daughter. And now you're doing things which don't make sense. You ha who's going to tell you that? You have to tell yourself, you know, I'm not acting. What I just said was so out of line. Why did I say that? Why did I just, you know, you know uh, just blurt out like the most hateful thing? That just doesn't make sense. Or why did I say things which I know I don't believe in, but I just said that to hurt her, to hurt her, to break her heart? Why? Why did I say this to my kid? Why did I do this to my kid? You have to be honest with yourself and to say that this is coming from somewhere. Let me deal with this. Dear friends, please seek out help. There's too many issues in the community that are happening every single day that come to our table. And the simple solution, you don't need medication many times, it's simply you need to talk to someone and share what has happened in your life and allow that a reliable therapist who knows your cultural background, your religious background, who understands the sensitivities of that, help you, guide you through that. Right? Sometimes an older brother, sometimes an older friend, sometimes an old friend that really, really knows you and loves you, but you've been disconnected for 20 years, might be able to give you that simple advice that just allows you to understand, okay, this is where I'm going wrong. Inshallah, if we do that, then even our very difficult things will be able to get through. So we're speaking about here, uh, the aspect of being kind to the mother. This is what, what Isa salam straight mentioned. That, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made me like that. So as a prophet who is inviting towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is not befitting a prophet to be anything but the most kind to his mother.
And so if we want to be anywhere in society, if we want to be able to follow in the footsteps of the Prophet, we can never imagine we're going to get anywhere without being obedient to our parents and becoming a source of joy to them. Right? This is a blessing, those of us who have our parents alive. We need to value them. Right? And if you, I, have some, I have some friends who've lost their parents, and I see their statuses, subhanAllah, regularly. And it always just reminds me of how much more I should be doing. Because I always see them every single day, just posting on how they miss their father, how they miss their mother, and the du'as they make, you know? And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a very strong reminder that subhanAllah, that can happen anytime to any one of us whose parents are still alive. We can lose them. And then after that, all you got left is statuses. That really doesn't go anywhere. Right? It's just hasra. It's just sadness. So before that day comes, why don't we do something? Why don't we do something if we can to be able to bring happiness to our parents? Number, after that, he says, He has not made me insolent nor wretched. Two words have been mentioned here. Jabbar. Jabbar is like a tyrant, harsh hearted. He has not made me insolent. He hasn't made me harsh. Shaqiyah and he hasn't made me wretched. What does that tell you? That those who are disobedient to their mothers, who are they? They are Jabbar and they're Shaqi. Those who are disobedient to their mothers and their fathers, they are Jabbar and they're Shaqi. Jabbarun fi dunya, Shaqiyun fil akhirah. Jabbarun fi dunya, harsh and intolerant and insolent in this dunya, and shaqi means wretched in the hereafter. Ruined over here, ruined over there. Khasira dunya wal akhirah. Very important point. That those who are disobedient to their parents, that's what the reason is. They're disobedient because they're arrogant. They're disobedient because they're insolent. They're disobedient because they are hard hearted. And number two, they're disobedient because they're wretched. What does wretched mean? Wretched means they have the opposite of Sa'id, Nekbacht, and Badbacht. Lucky. Uh, fortunate and misfortunate, unfortunate. So this wretched and unfortunate person, what does that mean? You see someone or we see ourselves, Allah forbid, a million times, disobedient to our moms and dads, that's pretty much a telltale sign that we're headed to hell. That's pretty much a telltale sign that we have been written wretched. Any of us sitting here listening to this, think about this. If we are disrespectful to our mom and dad and are hurtful to them, then this is a very big sign that we are wretched. It's like when you have signs of a heart attack, signs of cancer, etc. That's, that's not a good sign. You say this is not a good symptom. So disobedience to parents is a sign of having a very bad ending in the hereafter. What is shaqawa in akhirah? What is, what is wretched in akhirah? Is a person destined to go to hellfire. So if a person finds himself in this case, immediately needs to be repenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says, وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيَّ right? So may all peace be upon me. يَوْمَ right? And those who conform to me, on the day I was born and the day I die, and the day I'm going to be raised up in the hereafter. So Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, he is making dua for himself. And he is saying, وَالسَّلَامُ in previous ruku' which we did the story of Yahya alayhi salam and Maryam alayhi salam, uh, Zakaria alayhi salam, what was it? Salamun alayhi. That was Allah sending peace upon Yahya alayhi salam. Here Isa alayhi salatu salam is making dua for himself. Isa alayhi salatu salam is saying that may peace be upon me, all of the peace. That as alif lam gives you the meaning of all. All peace be upon me, alright, the day I'm born. What does that mean? There's salam is when you make dua for safety and peace for someone. That's why our greeting is so beautiful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. That I'm asking Allah to grant you peace. So I'm, you know, I'm asking Allah to grant you happiness. You're making dua. Assalam is one of the names of Allah. So we're saying, Ya, ya oh Allah, oh Assalam, oh the giver of peace, grant this individual peace. 
So as soon as you meet someone, you're making dua for him. Another explanation of assalamu alaikum means, when I say peace, may peace be upon you, it means I am guaranteeing you that you will be at peace with me. I will not be harming you with my tongue, nor will I be harming you with my hands, nor will I be harming you with any other way. You can feel safe in my presence. I will make sure I don't do anything to harm you. Right, so this is kind of like a truce that we extend to every Muslim when we meet them, even from far. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. That you don't have to worry. You got already enough worries. I don't want to become a source of worry, additional worry in your life. Okay? So uh, this is the meaning of salam. So he's now saying salam. May the peace be upon me the day I am born. What does it mean the day I'm born? Yani may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect me. All right? And he has already protected me the day I am born because... Allah Jalla Jalaluhu protected him from the, I don't know if we talked about this in the previous um, weeks, from the attack of shaitan. Right? Uh, there was a dua. She said, protect my children. Yeah, we talked about that. You know, protect me and my children from shaitan. So what happened? When the child is born, when the child is born, it comes in hadith, the child cries. Correct? We see that. When, why does a child cry? One of the botany and hidden uh, uh, reasons for that, besides the, you know, whatever reason the medical experts will give, is that shaitan comes and pinches him. Did we talk about this? Shaitan comes and pinches him. And the baby and says, Hello, welcome to the world. I'm your enemy. Right? And I, I'm going to outlive you. And I'm going to out, outsmart you. But here I am. Right. So from the day before we get even into the mother's hand, shaitan is first there to greet us. Right? You hear? I'm, I'm waiting for you. So that is the declaration from the hadith that shaitan comes in, uh, does the mas. And, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected Isa from that mas. Protected Isa from that touch of shaitan. That doesn't mean there was no shaitan. Nabi himself said, I had a shaitan. Right? We talked about maybe Surah Qaf. Qareen. That every one of us have a qareen And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said I have a qareen They asked what about you have a qareen as well You have a shaitan with you He said yes I do as well Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Ya Allah But what does he say Walakinni He said walakin aslama or uslam There's two variations of this reading of this word Aslama or uslam That either he, Musliman ho gaya, he accepted Islam The jinn Jinn became Muslim Or uslam or I have been protected from it But the, the qareen is there with me the Qareen is there So when that is the case with, with, with Nabi alayhi salam And all the other prophets Then where do you and I You know fall So he, this That doesn't mean Isa salam did not have a shaitan with him But it was that This initial Battle War uh, What you call Battle cry He was protected from that Talking about shaitan I want to say Brother You know I hear different stories People share stories with me And, and I share with you in, in, in the tafsir And I think That's the reason why people share it Because it's a source of inspiration For others Brother said his, you know, his wife said something to him And uh, I'm not sure exactly What the context was And he got You know He got really excited And he, and, uh, and he, he said This is shaitan doing that And he went in josh And excitement He said You know what Let shaitan come and do what he wants I'll take care of him May usko samalunga he just said in the, this excitement I said that SubhanAllah okay, People say yeah Whatever you said that What he says The next thing is pretty You know Crazy He said I was suffering For many years Ago Long ago From a specific sin And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala For many years Alhamdulillah Had helped me get out of that sin I noticed after I, say, I said this Within like 12 hours Or within the next few hours I ended up committing that same sin Which I hadn't done for so long and he said, as soon as I did that, I realized my mistake. I realized that that was a statement which was regarded as possibly arrogant. To say, who are you to say you can handle shaitan? Who do you think you are? 
Without the permission of Allah, without the protection of Allah, you can't stand a chance. And that's a reality. Without the protection of Allah, none of us stands a chance. Wallahi, none of us stand a chance to be protected from this enemy, this hidden, most powerful enemy that Allah has created for all of us. The only reason, you, the only way you can overpower him is through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's fadl. So he said, I, I immediately broke down crying, made tawbah. I said, Ya Allah, I can't believe this happened. You showed me that dare you become arrogant and say that you can handle shaitan on your own. You can't. You, no matter how big of a shaykh you become, no matter how senior citizen you become, you and I will never be able to handle shaitan on our own. Remember the statement of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal. You heard the story many times. But let's just repeat it again. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, one of the greatest ulama of the past and of, of, of all of Islam. People say, the ulama say that the whole Islam, you know, is, Muslims are indebted to Ahmad ibn Hanbal for the way he stood up against the kings of his era for the, very, for the issue of the khalq al-Qur'an, whether the Qur'an is a word of Allah or a creation of Allah. In that issue, he stood alone. And so at the time of his death, I mean, we, we, the amazing story, but at the time of his death, when he asked for water, his son brought for him water, and he was between consciousness and unconsciousness, going back and forth, back and forth. And when he was in that state, he kept on saying, not yet, not yet. La ba'du, la ba'du, la ba'du. And so once he fully regained his consciousness, his son asked him what was happening. Was it you asked me for water? Was you saying you don't want the water yet? He said, no, I wasn't speaking to you. If shaitan had come to me in this state of sakarat, in this days of the pangs and throes of death, and he said, ya Ahmad, oh Ahmad, qad futtani, indeed you have escaped me. And I was telling him, it's not over yet. This is also part of the deception. That you're coming to me at this moment. For me to seriously just think, I have crossed over the bridge. And as soon, even for one second, I get my eyes away from Allah thinking, Alhamdulillah, game over. I succeeded, you'll come get me. So that's why I was telling him, La ba'du is not yet. You can still do something to deceive me and trick me, that even in the throes of death, I may end up leaving Islam. So once he had got pushed away, and, you know, and he proved that he's not going to stand on his own self, then he woke up and he drank his water. Imam Qurtubi mentions in his, tafsi, in his book called Tathkira, that, uh, uh, that at the time of death, there are people who get the biggest test happens at the time of death. We ask Allah afiyah. We ask Allah protection. We ask Allah husnul khatima for all those who are passing away now and for all of us and our future generations. So, so, so important. We don't understand what husnul khatima is. I'm telling you. I'll tell you like sometimes, I don't know if it happens to any of you if you have experiences, you're waking up for fajr or salah and you, when someone wakes you up, you genuinely think you already prayed. Uh, has this ever happened to any of you? You think you've actually prayed. I'll tell you from my own experience. When I was in madrasa, you know, a teacher would come and say, or my class would wake me up for fajr. And I would have such a vivid, 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 complete yani, memory of waking up, doing wudu, going to the fajr and masjid and praying. Only when some of my roommates would come back and wake me up and like, and they would really push me up and I wake up and say, what happened? But you didn't come for fajr, Jamal, you're here. And I could swear by Allah that I had prayed. Right? And that's when I started thinking, oh boy, this is how this stuff works. This is how this stuff works, the deception of shaitan, how it's gonna be at the time of death. It's crazy. Now Imam Qurtubi, listen to what Imam Qurtubi says. He said at the time of death, shaitan will come in the form of someone's deceased parent or relative. And he will come to him, and you will see your own mother or father who's passed away. And he will come and tell you, to say, my beta, beti, my son, ya, ya fulan, ya fulan, you know me. Yeah, mom, your dad, you're whatever, you're here, what is it? Listen, you know how I was, how I raised you on salah and salam, and, and I made you such a good Muslim. Yes, whatever I have is because of you. Listen, I died 30 years ago. Now I came back to you. God sent me to speak to you. The religion of Islam is wrong. 
The religion of Islam is wrong. This is absolutely incorrect. I'm already suffering. I don't want you to suffer. I've come to save your life. Please, you still have a chance to free yourself from religion of Islam before you die. Otherwise, if you don't give up, you're going to be with me over here suffering. Absolutely. Subhanallah. Think about that, what I'm telling you. How a test that is from shaitan. Till the last moment, this, this evil Iblis and his army will never leave us. Will never leave us. And the deceptive methods they use is far beyond our imagination. You cannot outwit him. You cannot outwit him. You cannot outsmart him. The only one who can be protected is the one, because Allah, of course, He can't compete with Allah. So if you're under the protection of Allah, then you don't have to worry about outwitting and outsmarting. Because that's, that's not even the case. Allah is protecting you, you have nothing to worry about. He won't even allow him to come to you at the time of death. Done. But if Allah's protection is not there, there's no such thing as, I can take you on. I've asked many people who've left Islam, for a couple years or more, and then they got guided back to Islam. Many of them, I asked them, in a one nutshell, tell me what made you leave Islam. And what, what's the answer? Arrogance. Arrogance. Because I thought I knew it. I thought I could take on anyone. I thought I could answer the questions. I thought I had the answers for everything. But when I, for three, four years, I went around lost in the, you know, in, in, in the jungle. And then the day I put my head down in front of Allah, and it says, Ya Allah, I'm sorry. You know, this, this is it. I don't have the answer for things. I don't, even, I'm, I don't even know who I am, much less know who you are, much less know why I know why I'm here. That's it. I give up acting like I know and acting that I'm in power. The day I submitted, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened up back to me the deen. So this is very true what I'm speaking about. Arrogance is what made shaitan into shaitan. And when a person acts arrogant, he will never be able to remain a Muslim. Right? He mentioned what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in the hadith, that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, that as long as there is an iota of arrogance in the heart, you're not even coming close to Jannah. Uh-uh. Until the person doesn't go to Jahannam and get that arrogance cleansed out, because greatness only belongs to Allah. This is not, this is not befitting any one of us. Right? So when a person acts in this manner, he's actually befriended shaitan. Befriend a shaitan And then shaitan will come and say oh, You're mine you, Like people who sol- sell their souls to shaitan The actual contracts that Many of these artists make with, sh- with the devil And in lieu of that What do they get? They get fellowship They get, they get fellowship on Twitter and Instagram And everything else Right? All this hidden balcony stuff It's not like a written contract It's all in their shaitani world Things they're doing Subhanallah And may Allah protect us You wonder how come these shaitani p- people Have the most followers in the internet Most followers everywhere They've literally sold themselves to the devil. Look at their lyrics. Look at what they speak about. If that's not called selling the soul, what is? Right? So, this, so when he takes you into, into his army, then he will control your mind. He, can, he tries to control everyone's mind. But then he sees who's the one who's willing to give in. And a weak-minded, then he just, إِسْتَحْوَذَ عَلَيْهُمُ الشَّيْطَانِ Allah says, shaitan sarpe chagay. Right? He takes over your mind. He overtakes your mind like a virus that gets in. Shaitan, if you let him, he'll just take over your whole brain. And what does he do as soon as he gets into your brain? What malfunction does he create? فَأَنْسَاهُمْ ذِكْرَ Allah. He makes you forget the remembrance of Allah. As soon as you start remember, forgetting Allah, done deal. Now, it's like, the, you know this, this, these scam guys who call from overseas and say, oh, we are you know, tech support. You know what I'm talking about? Give us, open up the screen, tell us his password. Right? And if any one of us bichara fell for this, done, done deal. Once you're in your computer, then that's it. They've taken over the whole thing. Now you sit there and you say, why is my credit card going? Why is my money? Why do they have my pictures? Why are they trying to blackmail me? Because you gave access. As soon as you gave, you made a mistake. Once you open the gateway for them, it's done. Finish. So when shaitan enters the mind, 
What he does, what's that password you're giving him? Screen share or whatever you want to call it is make you forget remembrance of Allah. As soon as the remembrance of Allah goes, he's in the driver's seat. Now you see how he takes you for a, you know, a drive. The crazy things that we're seeing people doing today. And you try to speak to them and you're speaking to the wall. They just don't understand. Everything you say, they retaliate. They're just like, what? what are you talking about? Like, why? We're speaking for the past one hour. Why are you not getting what we're saying? It's because they've allowed shaitan to, inter- to come in and take over their, to their brain. And the first thing we'll do is make you forget Allah and some Allah. So if a person is not doing istighfar, a person is not doing... And then, oh, guess what they'll say? They say, I'm okay. Jazakallah khair. I'm alright. Yeah. All, all of us who think, and if I ever think like that, I'm okay. I don't need your help. <laughs> You're the one who needs the most help. As soon as you think you don't need help, realize that's your check engine light. If this comes to your mind, I don't need help, you actually need to stop driving, call the tow truck right now. You know that sometimes it gets that bad, right? They say, stop the car. Don't even go to the next exit. Call the tow truck. So if a person says, I don't need help, I'm set, I'm okay. Stop the car and get help right now. Because you have no idea how far this car is going to go off. It might be engulfed in flames. You might not even make it in the next mile. So this is... Going back to that whole mentorship and therapy and whatnot, the things he comes in makes you forget Allah and then says, You're all right, you're all set. You don't need to talk to anyone about this problem. You know, when these credit card scammers, when they call you, what do they say? The IRS is coming, the police come and arrest you. You know all those stories. And what they always say is, What? Don't tell anyone. They always say that, right? Come on, you guys didn't get these calls, you didn't hear about it? Oh, you don't even know what I'm talking about? Okay, this is, you know, they scam millions of, you know, of, of innocent people with this. So they always say, go to the Walgreens, go get a phone card, or go get a charge card, a visa card for $200 and scratch and give us the number, right? Okay, so I'm just telling you, that's what they do. And we know many people who unfortunately fell for this. So this is, they always say one thing, don't talk to anyone. So we hear about these Walgreens and CVS clerks who've already been alerted by the scam. So when someone comes and buys $500 worth of, you know, visa cards, they will, they will always, and they're usually on the phone because they usually keep them on the phone the whole time. So, so many of them have been stopped, this theft, because of the, 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 the assistant or the cashier there because they know about this. And they'll say, no, no. They're like, no, 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 please, just don't get involved. I have to do this. And the guy's like, you better not tell anyone what you're doing. You have to do this. And so they'll intervene and call the police and whatever the case may be. So like, how does shaitan work? By telling you, keep your problems to yourself. That's it. You'll handle it. No, you couldn't. If you couldn't handle it, you fixed it up 10 years ago, man. You can't handle it. Stop trying to be God. Stop trying to be arrogant. You know, and just acknowledge yourself. Seriously, I'm, I can't hi- you know, highlight this thing enough. All the addictions out there, if you want to fix any addiction you're suffering from, what's the number one point? You have to be humble. Stop being arrogant. And recognize and acknowledge that you're addicted to this and that you need help. If you can't do that, then live your life suffering as an addict. You know? And then on your deathbed, you'll feel guilty about it and say, I wish I had done something about it. But it's too late. So any type of addiction we're in, any type of emotional, physical, you know, type of abuse we're involved in doing or getting done, etc. Any type we need to submit to Allah and look for help. That's the way to get out of that mess. Otherwise, we, this will be a very horrible future for, for this individual. Subhanallah. So we're, where were we? We were speaking about the aspect, I don't remember how we ended up in here. But uh, so the, uh, the idea was that, yes, shaitan, yes. Shaitan at the beginning of birth, he comes and announces his war with a person. So the way to protect ourselves from shaitan is to be humble in front of Allah. 
and not be arrogant that I can take them on. And not be arrogant, I don't need mashayikh, I don't need ulama, I don't need people of knowledge, I don't need my parents, I will handle this on my own. This is all bakwas, bekar, useless deceptions of shaitan. So if you need, if you're trying to help someone, and he says, I don't need you, you realize that he needs you the most. But he just doesn't get it. He will recognize later on. And so this is the new thing I've started doing with people who I'm trying to help. I tell them all these messages, I say, just save them. Whenever the shaitan leaves your mind, then you can read this and you recognize you know, what I was telling you. You just didn't get it. Look at how you're responding to me. It might take you a year for the shaitan to leave your brain. It might take you a few months, maybe a few days. But then you'll recognize that you were in actually big trouble. Right? You were in big trouble. And had you not gotten out of it, and I hope you do get out one day, uh, that, you know, subhanAllah, where'd you end up? So mashallah, it's actually worked, you know. Some people actually did get out of that. And they actually did say, I pinned that text message. And I look at it every time. I say, yeah, look at it regularly. So every time shaitan comes to you, it's not the end of it. It's not the end. He'll, he'll come all the way till the end. Till we die. Keep looking at this. To say, as soon as you think I don't need help, and as soon as you think you're all set, and you don't need to talk to anyone, and anyone who's trying to help you is actually hating you. These are all deceptive methods, my friends. Subhanallah. So it's, it's something that requires daily, all of us need to be reading A'udhu Billahi Min Shaitan Rajim. Daily we have to be reading Qul A'udhu Falaq Qul A'udhu Bin Nas. Read any dhikr, read a hundred times A'udhu Billahi Min Shaitan Rajim. Read as many times as you want Qul A'udhu Falaq Qul A'udhu Bin Nas. Right? Read as many times La Hawla Wa Quwwata Illa Billah. The more dhikr, remember how do we protect ourselves from the influence of Shaitan? Through dhikr. The more dhikr we do, because dhikr is like, is, 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 is just like water for the fire. If Shaitan is fire, dhikr is the water. He cannot handle it. That heart that is, is doing the dhikr of Allah, that tongue that is doing the dhikr of Allah, those eyes that are shedding tears out of the dhikr of Allah, the fear and the love of Allah, shaitan says, I gotta get out of here. Can't handle that. That's why when the adhan is called, what happens? The shaitan runs. Yes? When iqama is called, the shaitan runs. So if we wanna make sure that we are as protected to the best level, then we need to make dhikr very common. Chalte pirte, walking, talking, wherever we are, keep our tasbih in our hand. Keep a, all of us should have a tasbih in our hand. All of us should have it in our pocket. Right? And we should always be, whenever we are sitting in meetings, whenever we're sitting in the office, whenever we're sitting on our computers, have it in your hand. It'll remind you. Remember Allah Azza wa Jal. Put a little note on your computer, you know, a hundred times istighfar. Put it on your laptop. Put it on wherever you can. Put it on your screensaver here, on your phone, background. So that when your eyes fall on it, it should remind you that, hey, I gotta do my dhikr daily. If we're not doing dhikr daily, my dear brothers, Allahu Akbar, my dear sisters, this is very quickly, very easily we can be deceived by shaitan. So Isa is protected from shaitan on the day he was born. Number two, he says, The day I'm going to die, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to protect me as well. The day, talking about the death of Isa, I just want to say this, that we, our belief in our aqidah is that Isa was lifted up into the heavens. And then towards the end of times, later on, oh, during the time of Dajjal and Mahdi, Isa will return. This was an agreed upon belief of the Muslims. Because we have not only Qur'an, but we have a very strong source of our deen called what? Hadith. So if you understand the Qur'an in light of the Hadith, then you will have no problem of this. But we see that a new fitna has begun in the past you know, few decades. And now it is a common... I see many of us are acknowledging what I'm speaking about. That means you know about it. 30 years ago, probably this would be not known to college students. Like what? People say, Isa I'm not going to come back? Really? But now it's a very common thing that people chat about, text about, and speak about in gatherings. That Isa is not coming back. And now you have people giving talks specifically on this on YouTube and things. So this is a new fitna. This is the world of fitna. You know, this is the time of fitan. This is the time of trials and tests. One more reason for you to seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help. 
Just like if, if shaitan is going to come at the time of death, they're going to say, that story I told you, I hope he gave you goosebumps. He gives me. Because I have experienced a millionth of that with my whole sleep thing I just told you. Right? So I know, I can imagine how convincing it is. But your yaqeen, that's what I'm telling you, your yaqeen that Allah does has to be so strong that if you see, some, you see all your shuyukh and your imams and your moms and dads show up and say Islam is wrong, for you to be able to say, you know what, bring them all, bring them all, I don't care. I don't give a, I absolutely I don't care who you bring. I know my Allah is true, my deen is true. You can give as many lectures and talks as you want. That's not easy. That's not easy. That's the level of iman we have to have. Ask ourselves for every small little thing. We said, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about this. You know, I'm not sure about this movement. You know, I think we're, we got to be with the times, etc. Look how flimsy our iman has become. You think we stand a chance? I tell all these people, how do you, how do you think you're going to stand a chance against Dajjal? How do you think you're going to stand against a chance against any of these smaller Dajjals too? When today the smallest temptations we can't say no to. We can't put our hands off of the screen. Right? We can't look, uh, put our eyes down away from haram. We can, we're so tempted to haram income. Looking at haram, listening to haram, music has become like the craziest addiction. A person can't give it up. He knows this is trash. This is horrible. This is how shaitan gets into my brains. Right? You li- this is like the battle cry of shaitan. And we're saying, Labbaik, I'll join that. That's what it is. That's what it is. I'm telling you all, we will never get an ounce of spirituality if we listen to that trash out there. Right? We will never get an ounce. You're, you're, you're fooling yourself. Fooling yourself to think that, I wonder why I'm not feeling my salah. Why I don't enjoy tilawat. Why I don't enjoy reading Quran. Why I don't enjoy coming to the masjid. Why I don't enjoy lecture. If a person is listening to music, and all the lyrics out there, and the disgusting popular music that the youth listen to today, <clears throat> and even the, even the other stuff you know, from, from overseas, etc. That is meant, that is meant to cause distur- distraction from Allah. The whole maqsad and the purpose. It's like I'm giving adhan and someone starts a bullhorn over here. Right? What is it? The purpose is that you don't listen to my adhan. That's what it is. So that's what music does. And you say, but, but now mashayikh are, are saying it's permissible. They start using it. But they will say everything. Everything. Why don't you get it? This is the plot. Like why you keep on getting shocked? Oh, but they said this is permissible. Everything will be made permissible, my friend. Everything. From liquor, to, uh, to zina, to uh, wearing silk, to everything else between that. And above that and beyond that will be made halal by people, by people who are working for shaitan. And they don't even know they're working for shaitan. Shaitan has overtaken their minds and is making them say things that they don't even realize that they're digging their pit in hell. Going completely against what they studied. For 20 years they studied something. They researched something. And now all of a sudden they flip. What happened to you? 20, look at your videos. Look at your talks before videos. There weren't even videos there. Your audio records, your cassettes, TDK cassettes. Let's pull them out. Let's say, what did you say in the 90s? What did you say in the 80s? What did you say in the early 2000s? Didn't you say all this haram? Now what happened in 2021? That your organization and your YouTube video has a bunch of music and you attend those type of gatherings and you're giving fatwas on Instagram and TikTok to say this is halal. Am I supposed to fall for that? But people are falling. Most of the people fall for this stuff. Why are you not understanding that it's, the tests are just going to get worse? From music being made to halal to everything else. That's, what, that's, how, that's the zamana we're in. And Dajjal is not going to be some small little, you know, little hezb, little group that's trying to do something and then will fail. No, he, he will become the order of the day. He will be the most popular leader. He will have the most following. And he will be able to grab the attention of everyone. Everyone, illa mashallah, except for those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves. So as soon as we start using this thing, but so-and-so says it's permissible, stop saying that. Because that's going to take you all the way down the path of hell. We can't. We don't care what so-and-so says. So the issue of Isa salam not coming back. What so-and-so says, he's not coming back. He's dead. Leave so-and-so. What, what did the Muslims for the first 13th century say? 
What did the Muslims of the first 13 century? Okay, but then they say, but oh, in the fifth century, a scholar said something. Hey, did you growing up, if you were born in the 80s and the 70s, I'm talking to you, if you were born in the 80s and 70s, okay, did you hear about this until you're 15, 20 years old? If you didn't hear about it, why? Why didn't you hear about it, that this was permissible? Think about that. All, everyone, the whole world was literally in darkness. All of a sudden, 2020 came and they became, you know, uh, enlightened. How come you didn't hear about that this was halal? Man, you would have an awesome childhood. We missed out. Why is it now? For the guys who grew, who grew up in, you know, now, of course, then your, your childhood from the beginning is messed up, unfortunately. You've been exposed to, I mean, messed up in the sense you've been exposed to the, the, these things being called halal. So we will always find one or two opinions about something being permissible all the time. You'll always find some outlier opinion. We, we don't follow outlier opinions in every single thing. These are the basics of the deen. We take what the majority of the ulama say from the, all the times. If we stick to the majority, you won't have a problem. But when you start going fatwa searching through books and on TikTok and say, someone find a book, this is so crazy. And I want to pinpoint to something recently. Just so you understand the deception. Someone made a video to say that, you know, music was halal. The same person would have given many, many videos and, I mean, lectures about completely against this previously because that was his, you know, his, his feelings. And all of a sudden, or his, his, his stance, fiqhi stance, all of a sudden now, promoting, no, no, this is halal, this is halal. And he quotes, um, uh, you know, uh, what you call, he quotes Imam Abu Hanif rahmatullahi alayhi. Quotes Imam Hanif May Allah save us. This is scary. Quotes Imam Hanif saying that in, in, in a short, you know, online two-minute video, na 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 tafsil, na nothing, just no context. Just, hey, guess what? You guys heard of Abu Hanifa? Of course we did. Was he a small scholar? No, great scholar. Well, guess what he says? He says, you're allowed to sell musical instruments. So if he wasn't allowed, if it wasn't permissible according to him, why would he allow it? Why you even listen to the guy saying something like this? Where you been? There's one point, you know, from the 1.6 billion majority are Hanafis, the largest following. Which, you know, if you grew up again, 70s, 80s, ask your mom and dad. People listen to Bollywood and Hollywood, but how many of them say, Right? We listen to it, Allah forgive us. That's a different thing. But who's been saying that this is halal, this is good? Who's been saying this is halal? Even the guys who listen to it have got a bunch of stuff. They're not saying it's halal. We're weak Muslim, you know, we listen to it. Okay. You know, there's hope for that. Why you, I'm not, I, may Allah guide us not to listen. But if you're listening, say, by, this is a mistake, it's haram, wrong. I hope Allah gives me tawfiq to give it up one day. That's fine. You know, inshallah you will. You know, I'm not saying it's fine to listen, but it, that's much better to then you want to rationalize why you're doing what you're doing. That's the worst part. So he says, Imam Hanifa says it's permissible to, uh, to what you call uh, sell, you know, these type of things. And then he's like, you guys heard about Hanifa, so if it was permissible, that video ends. Now, there might be a part two, three, who's got to listen? He just said it, you just said it, that's all I want. When, when, shay, when you're out there hunting a fatwa, do you guys need anything more than this? That's it, a two minute video, it says halal, khalas, man. Who's, who's the Mawlana of the masjid when Abu Hanifa said it's ready, you're allowed to sell it. If you can sell it, that means you could use it. So, done, let's get back and join the band, right? So, but what's the context of it? The context of it is, there's a discussion about buying and selling. And Imam Hanifa rahmatullah and some of his students say, that it is uh, permissible to sell, while his other students in stronger opinion saying not, not permissible to sell. Okay, why does he say it's permissible to sell? He says, because it's permissible to sell because we do not know what the drum may be used for. He may use it to, for example, I'm saying, may use it to store flour. 
You don't know what the person may be using it for. He may, use, he may be so angry here, the khutbah, he wants to go buy all the musical instruments and destroy them. Who knows what? So why, we, that's why he says you, you're allowed to sell it because it's clearly written on the next par- in that same paragraph. This is written, the next line. I have the text here in my phone. Right, if you want to check it up after, after we finish here. Right, where he says, the reason is jayiz is because it's been made, we don't know what the purpose, intended use of the purchaser is. So we cannot say that you, know, you cannot sell it. The other opinion within the Hanafi school, with, of his students, Imam Hanifa has you know, two major students, Imam Yusuf and Imam Muhammad, two main students amongst others. They say, bear is not, mak- he says it's makruh. It's done, but it's makruh. They say, bear, any selling, the transaction doesn't even take place. Done. Even if you sold it, it's like you didn't sell it. It is equivalent to selling pork and wine and liquor. Why is that? Just like pork and wine and liquor are completely not only haram, but, the, but Islam doesn't even give them a monetary value. So that's why you can sell all you want, the transaction didn't take place. And that's exactly what they put musical instruments in that same category. Look at the dishonesty over here. You think people have time to do this research? So just wait for more of this stuff to happen. That's all I'm telling you all. It will happen. It didn't happen five years ago. It didn't happen two years ago. And the people who are doing this is shocking. It's very surprising. So you, it's now it's like almost a time of nafsi, nafsi. You know what I mean? You really gotta care about yourself, man. You apni khabar You gotta go in your grave. If, you know, be my guest. Do what you want. But if you're smart, we're gonna die soon, anytime. We gotta be prepared. Do we want to make sure that we involve ourselves in this type of things? If we're as fathers and mothers are gonna do this, what do you expect from the younger generation? If you guys in your twenties and thirties gonna do this, what do you expect for the next? So basically, shaitan is taking everyone for a spin. And they don't even realize it. They're becoming agents of shaitan by promoting, giving khutbahs, videos on, you know, in the, in, in how it's important to be mixed, have mixed gatherings, how it's important to have music, how it's important to have this and that. All these things are, you know, unnecessarily being made haram. Jewelry being permissible for men. You know, hair, weird haircuts being, you know, all sorts of different haircuts being permissible for men. Why? Why are you giving your khutbah on it, man? Why are you giving lectures on this? Who in the world is... Who's your speechwriter? Where does, where does this come from? What happened to you five years ago? Ten years ago? What's going on? So, what the These are big shots. If big shots are being misled by shaitan, what about you and I, little guys? I want you to think about what I'm saying. It's a very dangerous era. You cannot just go online and, and get your deen from your social media. You cannot, do your, you cannot get your deen from your social media. You cannot just look at who's got the most views on YouTube and listen to them. As long as you got a clean fitra, your fitra will tell you this is wrong, man. I just, I just, I don't know have the answer, but this doesn't sit well with me. That's if a person's got a fitra. And I know you, many of you sitting here, you got that fitra in you. You got that natural internal mufti inside you that will say this. I know it sounds really rosy and nice, but it doesn't sit well with me. And if we have a clean heart and a pure heart, actually. We will. That's what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in near meaning of the hadith that ask your fatwa from the heart, even if they give all the fatwas, even if they all give the fatwas. This was speaking about an issue, right? Where there's like a difference of opinion or, or, or there's something that is doubtful and someone says halal. And you're in your heart, you're saying, I'm not sure about that. Follow the heart. Follow the heart. But who, who's, who, who can follow the heart? The one who's got a pure heart. Unfortunately, the heart that's already been polluted, he won't be able to tell the difference. He'll say, no man, deen is easy man, why are you making deen difficult for me? That's what he'll say. Those are the same people who say, nikah is difficult, zina is easy. 
So what are you going to do? That's what they say. Millions of people say this. Why do we have to handle all the, you know, what you call, sardarad and headache of marriage? It's not necessary. We'd rather do without it. So these, and these times of fitan, only the one who Allah saves will be saved. The challenges ahead are much worse. We have to prepare ourselves. You cannot protect yourself if you don't connect yourself to the masjid. You cannot protect yourself if you don't connect yourself with the people of the Quran and Hadith. You cannot prepare yourself and protect yourself if you are not humble. You cannot protect yourself from all of this if you do not beseech Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help. Humility, humbleness, and searching out for the right crowd is so important in this day and age. So we talked about this, all issue was the day I'm gonna die. That the issue of Isa's return is also now up for grabs. And of course the coming of Dajjal and Yajuj Majuj and all the signs of the hour is all point of discussion now. This was not there. Definitely it was not a talk of the town. Now you have a one, one million views or 500,000 views of videos in which person says, now this is real. So 500,000. And the comments, what are the comments? Oh my God, at last. I always thought this man. Thank you. Found someone who's actually got some sense now. This is it. This is exactly what I've been looking for. I always told my mom and dad, they didn't get it. They're lost, man. My whole masjid's lost. But this is exactly what I was waiting for. Thank God there's some sense, there's, some, there's still some reason and sense left in the world. And the most sensible thing for you will be Dajjal. That's it. That's gonna be, and it is. I'm telling you, this is the most sensible thing. Person will listen and will say, Yari, it makes perfect sense. Leave the sense part. Since when is a deen about sense? What is mushahada? Senses. He says, Believe in the unseen. That's the first line of Surah Al-Baqarah. There is no guidance in this book if you don't have the ability to believe in the unseen. If you have, says no, until I don't, everything's got to be logically fitting like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Until then, I'm not going to believe in it. Then I'm sorry, the Quran is not going to give you guidance. You're not going to be able to get it from it. That again requires humility and humbleness. Because this is the arrogance within a person who says, if it doesn't make sense to me, how can I accept it? That's arrogance. This is not a worldly issue. This is above us. Malakut al-samawati wal This is beyond your senses. You can't understand the reality of Allah. You cannot understand the reality of Akhirah. You cannot understand the reality of these things. Just submit it. Be humble. And then you will be able to believe all of this. And when that arrogance comes in, a person will say, no. Logic. Let, let iman bil ghayb overrule and override the logic. And peace be upon me the day I'm going to be raised in the li- in, uh, to life in the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ذَٰلِكَ عِيسَى بْنُ Maryam. Who was that? That is Jesus, son of Mary. Man, that is the khutbah of Isa alayhi salam. Where did, where did he say he's a son of Allah? Where did he claim to be God or the son of God? Where have you talked about? This is the from the horse's mouth, as we say. Right? Right here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is quoting him and he says, this is, uh, you know, what Isa alayhi salam had to say. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, قَوْلُ الْحَقِّ It is the whole word of truth. About which they who lay claim to the scripture bitterly contend. Alright. La ilaha illallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, or it's Isa alayhi salam speaking about. Both. Right? It could be that al there's multiple explanations here. Qawr al-Haq means, I am speaking the truth. Who is I? It could either be Isa alayhi salam. Or it could be the Allah Himself saying, I'm telling you the truth. The true story is that He is not the Son of God. Or the true story is, I'm not the Son of God. Whoever is speaking. 
both are fine. Or another explanation of Qawr al-Haq is that this is, uh, there's another a variant or different reading on a different qara'ah, it's called is read Qawlul Haq. So according to that reading, Qawlul Haq would be referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, this Isa alayhi salam, Isa ibn Maryam, he is a manifestation of the word of the truth. And who is the truth referring to? Allah. So just like Isa is called Kalimatullah, Ruhullah, right? The word of Allah, the Ruh of Allah, you got another name for, for, for Isa. What is that? Qawlul Haq. The statement of Al Haq. Who is Al Haq? Allah. What statement are we speaking about? Kun Fayakun. Be and you come. So he doesn't need a father. No one, I, you don't, that's, that's just naturally how usually people come with a mom and dad. But for Isa, salam, I decided to, break, to go against that. Who are you to object? Because it's my kun. And my, my, my command to say be and it becomes into existence. So this could be referring to Isa salam, that he has come about in this world through the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that be. Okay, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this truth is the one who people are bitterly arguing about. Yamtarun, right, comes from Miryun. Miryun. That is that type of deception or debate or argumentation in which a person knows that this, what I am speaking about, I know it's right. But for some reason or another, I want to mislead people. You know, create doubts in the minds of people about something which I know is true, but I don't agree with it. That's what Miriya is. And also, it's about creating doubts, useless, fake, weak arguments about something that is very strong. It's a bulletproof, solid, you know, uh, a statement, solid truth. And now you're trying to poke holes with, in it with the only really feeble type of excuses. That's called the miriyah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that this, this, this haqiqah, this truth, what is the truth? That Isa is a son of Allah. He's a miracle? Yes. He's a prophet? Yes. But is, is he the son of, born, is he a child born out of wedlock? No. Is he, a, you know, is he a child of zina? No. And is he divine? No. So you have a complete extreme. So this is one of the, probably the biggest, uh, you know, fabricated propaganda that has, you know, enveloped the world for centuries. Which is that? The haqiqah of Isa alayhi salam. It's something the vast majority of the ummah has been lost about. And those of us who are listening right now, we agree with that. We don't ascribe divinity to him, nor do we speak disparagingly about him, but we say he's the most honorable, but he's, a, he's not the son, he is the slave of Allah. But the vast majority of people, they are arguing about this, and they know deep down that, what, that this doesn't make sense. They know that it doesn't make sense, but they keep on trying to promote whatever they have to promote. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, he says, It is not befitting for Allah to take any son. This doesn't make sense. Why do you have a son? Why do you want to have a child? Hamisha, people want to have kids or sons especially because you want them to run the business afterwards. You want them to take care of you in your old age. You want them to become a source of honor and defend. Why Allah doesn't need, Allah has no need for a son to defend him. Allah has no need to have a son to look after him. Allah, right? He was there when nothing was there and he will be He's a first and the last. So he's, he's Warif, he's the one who's going to be at the end. After everything is destroyed. So it doesn't make sense for him to have a son. Subhana, highly exalted is he. He's above all of this stuff that is being attributed to him. amran. Simply when he decrees something, a matter, فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُهُ He but says to it, be, and so it is. That's it.
Dear brothers, it is mentioned by Qatada uh, rahimahumullah, very nice statement. He says that once, um, you know, uh, someone said regarding Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, that, th- that how, how amazing Isa alayhi salatu wasalam is, right? that يُبْرِئُلْ يُحْيِ الْمَوْتَى He gives life to the dead. وَيُبْرِئُلْ أَكْمَهَ وَالْأَبْرَصِ And he gives shifa to those who are uh, uh, from lepers and those who are uh, uh, suffering from uh, blindness or uh, you know, baldness, etc. Other types of diseases, he gives them shifa. So then someone said that. So she responded, uh, you know, so this lady said this. She said, how, how blessed must be that womb that carried you, O Isa. And how blessed must be that chest that nursed you, O Isa. Meaning exalting him. So then Isa والسلام, responded back to this lady. He said, Tuba liman tala kitab Allah ta'ala wa taba'a ma fihi wa amila bihi. That no, <clears throat> glad tiding instead, and lucky is that person who read the book of Allah and followed the injunctions of it and carried the actions of the Quran or the, the, the Injil, the book. Meaning, you're missing the point. You are saying, I'm blessed, but the purpose of my whole existence was to make you impressed with Allah. But that's, the, that's what shaitan does. When we hear a bayan about the greatness of Allah, of Mulana Tariq Jamil Sab, right? Subhanallah. <laughs> He's speaking for one hour about the greatness of Allah So you walk away in tears Say my God subhanAllah how great Allah is What happens to us? We just sit there and focus on the speaker That's not the purpose of the talk The purpose, yeah mashallah But recognize that how impressed are you with Allah after that talk Are you, are you breaking down in tears? Are, are you feeling goosebumps about your relationship with Allah? Or are you just saying Man, That was a great talk He knows how to mesmerize the crowd The mission failed Mission failed. That is absolutely not what the purpose of his speech was and nor for the purpose of his listening. We got nothing out of that. The purpose should be is that anything we see, whether it be a, a beautiful engineering of a car or a beautiful architecture of a building or any of the nature, natural things or someone's expertise in any field, what should happen is that as soon as we look at it, Allah We should remember Allah. Say, oh subhanAllah. If Allah created this, how beautiful must be Allah. If Allah made this person so smart, how smart must Allah be? If Allah made this person so wise, how wise Allah must be? If Allah made this person so wealthy, how wealthy Allah must be? Immediately the purpose of all of this is to attract our attention towards Allah. It's not to invite towards itself. So anything that invites towards itself, you know, then we're missing the point. And that's what happens. A person goes to Kaaba, Makkah, he's doing tawaf. He says, Yaar, clock tower, kya How tall is the clock tower? How amazing the marketplace. Right? He goes, while doing tawaf of the Kaaba, he's looking at the watch. Right? How, how, you know, what is the weight of this? His whole focus around the Kaaba is also looking at this. Right? SubhanAllah. That's why I hate that. When, when we're doing tawaf, I'm like, Right? You're doing tawaf and people ask you, where are you from? Are you from America? The road's made out of gold? What's happening there? Like, brother, listen, man, stop that discussion, bro. We're in front of the Kaaba. Let's leave all that. We're at the house of Allah. Why are we speaking about this stuff? We're here to get impressed by no one besides Allah. SubhanAllah, I heard this. That's why some mashayikh, they would say that in, in front of the Kaaba, you, you forget everyone. You don't even show your impression with anyone, that you're impressed with someone's presence. Like some Mashaya say, well, who's there? He said, well, we don't care. We'll talk to them outside of the haram. No matter which buzruk sheikh is here, we speak to them after. In front of the Kaaba, we don't speak to anyone here. This is not the place to say, oh, he's there, oh, he's there. Even if he's the big wali. In front of the Kaaba, no one, nothing. In front of the Rawda of the Prophet, don't even speak about anything else. 
Subhanallah. I've seen this as well within our, some of our mashayikh that they don't, they, they don't say, we, they don't want to know who's, who's in Hajj right now. They say, we'll talk about it in the hotel. Speak about that stuff later on. In front of Allah's Rasul's grave, in front of the Kaaba, you speak no, about no one besides Allah and His Rasul. Subhanallah. Right? But we, shaitan plays tricks with us that we get decept, de- deceived wherever we are, that we're getting impressed by everyone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here, it's just not befitting for Allah jalla jalaluhu to take upon a son. Right? Instead, if you're impressed with Isa salam's story, just remember, <laughs> be more impressed by the creator of Isa. How does he do things? He says, kun fayakun. So you got problems in your life? Kun fayakun. You want solutions to your problems? Kun fayakun. You want to get married? You want to get a job? You want to stay away from haram? You want to be able to get a promotion? You want to be able to get closer to the deen? Whatever it is, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it doesn't even take one second. It simply requires us to impress Allah. It requires us to show Allah that we really mean business. This time we mean it, we really mean it. Because how many of us try and then we fall back? We try and we fall back, right? We try to change our life. We try to get a good group of friends. We try to get connected to the Quran. We try to get connected to the masjid. We last one week, two weeks, then we fall off, right? So that doesn't mean you should get depressed. That doesn't mean you should become despondent, no. But it just means just renew our sincere intention with Allah. And to say, Ya Allah, I really need you again in my life. I need you. When I left also, it wasn't because I turned my back to you. It's because of this evil shaitan, he played with me. Right? I never for one instance intentionally turned my back towards you. It was that shaitan came and made you forget me. Made me forget you. And made me say things which I shouldn't say. And made me do, preoccupied with things I shouldn't have been preoccupied with. And that is why you've seen my absence from Salah for so many weeks. You've seen my absence from holding the Musa for so many weeks. You've seen my absence from holding a Tasbih for so many weeks. You've seen my absence from visiting my parents for so many weeks. All of these things that have happened is not because I did it, you know, intentionally or willingly. I made a mistake. I slipped and fall. Allah loves that humility. Just stand up again. Stand up again, renew your intention, move on. And knowing that we may trip and fall again, but it's okay. We, this relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is strong. They say, talk about a husband and wife relationship. It should be so strong that issues happen and you're able to overlook it. Mistakes, everyone makes mistakes. You got mad at me, chalo, it's okay. I got mad at you, it's okay. That's, the, that's how a strong relationship is. That it can withstand these type of, you know, small little things. The relationship with Allah is the strongest. Strongest. To the extent if a person leaves the fold of Islam also. He left Islam, he said Allah doesn't exist, like we've seen in cases. But the day he turns around and says, Ya Allah, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Allah says, Labbaika ya abdi, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Ajaw, come back. You don't have to even wait to get to the masjid. Right now your tawbah is done. Before you get to the masjid also. Guess what? If you die going to the place to make tawbah, I'll send you to Jannah. Like the story of the 90, person who killed 99 people. Right? And 100 people at the end. Right? So that's the relationship with Allah. Because why? We're makhluk. He created us. Right? He created us. And He's telling the rest of the creation, don't come between me and my creation. This is my creation. So don't get angry. You know when, when, someone's, when, some, when a father, he's, he's got, the, 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 the son tells the, uh, the dad, my, I'm sorry, my son, meaning your grandson is being disrespectful to you. Your granddaughter is being disrespectful to you. You know, I got to say, oh, he says, by chore, please leave it out. This is between me and my grandkids. I love my grandkids. They can say whatever they want, right? They can say whatever they want. You don't get, don't get, get between me and them. Allah Azawad is telling all the heavens and the earth, the angels, everything else, that this is my servant okay so you don't I understand you respect me and you're getting upset that these that these servants of mine are being disrespectful to me and where am I saying this I'm not making up a story from somewhere it's straight from Quran Surah Surah Maryam we're gonna do this right I don't know it's gonna be before Ramadan after Ramadan whatever it is but we'll get through you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says my favorite ayats are yet to come 
the last page of Surah Maryam. I love it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The heavens are about to split open. The earth is about to split open. And the mountains are about to fall down. They are angry. They're so angry. Why are they so angry? How dare this human has ascribed a son to Allah. It is absolutely not befitting for Rahman, the most merciful Lord, to have a son. There isn't a single one of you in the heavens or the earth, but you're going to come on the day of judgment as a slave. Act as arrogant as you want, as, as kingly as you want, but on the day of judgment, you're going to come as the most minuscule, smallest, despicable slave in front of me. Ya Allah. This is the last ayats of Surah Maryam. So the creation, Allah has to hold them back. He says, let them go, let them go. Tomorrow he'll make tawbah. Tomorrow he'll make tawbah. And Allah gives us a chance till the death rattle begins. So dear friends, whatever, however our week and however our month may have gone, if we're listening to this now, this is our chance, a renewed chance from Allah. Every week that we come here, we're getting a renewed chance from Allah. I'm being given a renewed chance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let us value every moment that we have. We don't know if we're going to see tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to be able to see each other next Tuesday. We don't know if we're going to see anything. Every single day is valuable. The day that we make tawbah is the best day for us. Before we go to bed, every single night, repent with humility and humbleness. Ya Allah, forgive me for my arrogance. Forgive me for my sins. Ya Allah, grant me humility. Grant me humbleness in front of you. Ya Allah, protect me from the insinuations of shaitan. Ya Allah, protect me from my nafs. Ya Allah, give me the power to overcome my nafs and shaitan. That level of dua, bas rozana, once a day, at least if we make this dua, we can hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will genuinely you know, forgive our past and will also give us a, a very bright future. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept whatever been shared and allow the speaker who is most in need of what was shared and all of us here listening to practice on it and also to share it with others as well uh, as we as we uh, uh, make dua inshallah wa ta'ala, uh, I want to there's a lot of requests for dua from our brothers some of them have um, their you know their uncles are our grandparents are in uh, you know on ventilator one brother has his mother is on uh, getting a cataract surgery uh, then there's uh, multiple uh, one of our brother here his cousin passed away in India and then another brother here, his, another cousin, 23-year-old cousin, passed away also in India, whose, two, whose both parents passed away last year. And now, subhanAllah, 23-year-old, he passed away from cancer. Or, or, you know. And so we have so much, uh, one of our teachers here, his mother, uh, what you call, uh, 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 you know, passed away, grandmother passed away, also, Mawlana uh, Ihsan. So, subhanAllah, so many people have passed away. And we know we made dua from Mawlana Yusuf's father who passed away just yesterday. And then today, subhanAllah, he went to go visit his, his father's mother in Dallas, who's also on the, just about to pass away. Right? Just imagine burying your father, and then within two, one hour, you catch a flight to go. And then he rushed back right now because his mother has also got stage 4 cancer. Is very is, is emotionally not doing well at all. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant shifa to those who are sick and grant uh, uh, what you call jannatul firdaus and forgiveness to those who have uh, passed away. And also please make dua uh, for our upcoming this Saturday is a very big day for not for me or for you, for all of us. This is the grand opening of the seminary uh, campus and the community center as well as... Um, uh, our annual, you know, banquet uh, or uh, you know, benefit banquet or our fundraiser. So this is uh, this Tuesday. I mean, sorry, this Saturday at 5 p.m. If you haven't already bought tickets in the lobby, just go to the kiosk. It'll take you 30 seconds. Please do so or get it from our website. And Sheikh Hussein Abdul Sattar, uh, Dr. Hussein from Sacred Learning, will be our guest speaker, inshallah. Uh, so it will be a very beautiful program and a much needed program for us to be back in the masjid. Alhamdulillah, you're blessed to be here, sitting here. There's thousands. There's thousands who haven't come to the masjid for a year. Right? Go work on them. 
Go work on them. Call them. Tell them, please come. And inshallah, if they have a good experience. Is it really? That's what it is. Mera beta masjid ko, right? People say, my son, they want to come. What should I do? We tell them, I will put a little, you know, tamasha for him here. We'll put a little vending machine. We'll put a little, then they get excited. We'll come back to the masjid again. We'll give them chocolates. That's what the zamana, what the ummah has become now. We got to bring some, figure out how to get people back into the masjid. Right? We have to get people, figure out how to get people back because they haven't come to the masjid for one year. So I want all of you sitting here, please, if you're, if you're in the masjid right now, or if you're listening online, I want you to make this commitment with me that you are going to reach out to people this week, like 15, 20, 25 people, and ask them to come. It's not because we need to make the benefit banquet successful. It's not because we need to have a lot of you know, people into the grand opening, otherwise again, it doesn't look like grand. No. More than anything else, it's for them. If they don't come, then what's the likelihood of them coming in Ramadan? Of in any masjid. I'm serious. This is the first large on-site program in the entire state of Illinois in the past year. To my knowledge, no other on-site program has taken place in a masjid for one entire year. And I don't see any, I haven't seen any advertisements for any other ones either. Larger ones. Okay? In a place that can accommodate so many people, obviously. So this is that one chance to connect people and to make them remember how it feels to be back in the masjid. If we miss this, Ramadan is coming two weeks later. Three weeks later, right? What, what else are we going to do? I'm very worried about that. That's my biggest worry. So I want you all to please work on your family and friends and get them, inshallah. And those who are out of state, tell them to at least listen. Inshallah, Allah will inspire the speakers to say something which will soften their hearts and they will also be motivated to go to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثلاثا عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا أحد الصمد الذي لم يرد ولم يرد لم يكن له كفوا أحد اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد صلاة تنجينا بها من جميع الأحوال والآفات وتقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على الدرجات وتبلغنا بها أقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة وبعد الممات إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم يا حي يا قيوم اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وانثانا اللهم من حييت من نفاحي على الإسلام ومن توفيت منا فتوفاوا على الإيمان اللهم اغفر لهم وارحمهم واعفو عنهم وادخلوا من الجنة اللهم نقي من الذنوب كما ينقى الثوب الأبيض من الدنس اللهم اجعل قبرهم روضة من رياض الجنة ولا تجعل حفرة من حفر النار اللهم لا تحرمنا أجرهم ولا تفتنا بعدهم وأبدلهم دارا خيرا من داره وأهلا خيرا من آله اللهم تقبل حسناتهم وتجاوز عن سيئاتهم اللهم ارفع درجاتهم اللهم اجعل قبرهم اللهم اللهم وسع اللهم وسع مدخلهم اللهم وسع لهم اللهم ثبتهم عند السؤال اللهم أوصل ثواب ما قرأنا وما صلينا وما تصدقنا إلى روح جميع الموتى من المسلمين والمسلمات اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم أن يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم أن يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم أن يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين Allah, we ask you to grant complete forgiveness to all those who passed away. Allah, recently or anyone else from the Ummah Rasulullah who has passed away on Iman and Islam. Allah, we ask you to elevate their status, become pleased with them. Allah, those who are suffering sicknesses, Ya Allah, grant them complete shifa. Be it physical, emotional, spiritual or mental illnesses. Grant all of them shifa through the barakah of the Qur'an and the dars of Qur'an. Allah, grant all of us and our siblings, our parents, our spouses and our children. Anyone who is suffering from any type of ailment or illness. Allah, grant all of them shifa. Oh Allah, remove the worry and concern and, and of the dunya from our hearts and minds. Grant us contentment, Ya Allah. Grant us peace in our lives. Oh Allah, grant us happiness in our homes. Grant muhabba and love between the spouses and the parents and the children. Oh Allah, unify our hearts together. Oh Allah, bring, grant us barakah in our risk. With, grant us halal sustenance, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, all those who are suffering in their marriages or, suffering the, or, or the children are suffering in their marriages or they're suffering in finding a spouse, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, remove their difficulties. Make it easy for them, Ya Allah. Make it easy for them. Oh Allah, those who do not have children or, have, uh, or who have, uh, Ya Allah, 
Allah, challenging children. Oh Allah, we ask you to make it easy for all of them, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant all of us a beautiful salah, Ya Allah, a beautiful dhikr, Ya Allah, beautiful recitation of the Quran. Oh Allah, grant us the akhlaq of Rasulullah. Grant us the knowledge that we should acquire, Ya Allah. Grant us the thirst of knowledge. Ya Allah, grant us the ability to stay connected to the deen. Ya Allah, we are living in extremely turbulent and confusing times. Oh Allah, save us from being carried away by these satanic deceptions, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, grant us the ability to have istiqamah and steadfastness on the truth, on Sirat al Mustaqim. Oh Allah, please allow us to see true as uh, truth as the truth and allow us to follow it. Allow us to fa- see falsehood as falsehood and allow us to stay away from it. Oh Allah, all those brothers and sisters who come here, new brothers and sisters every week, and Ya Allah, and the p- p- ones who came once in the past or come once in a while. Ya Allah, allow everyone who comes here, with whatever intention he comes here, allow him to gain more than what he bargained for. Allow her to gain what, more than what they bargained for. Oh Allah, open up the doors of hidayah for them. Open up the doors of guidance for them. Oh Allah, open up the doors of barakah for them. Oh Allah, allow every single one who is listening online, who will listen afterwards, or is here present, or in any way, shape, or form has facilitated these talks in tafasir and durus. Allow all of us, Ya Allah, to get guidance. Allow us to get istiqamah. Oh Allah, keep us in your protection. Keep us in your protection. Protect us from the evil insinuations of shaitan and nafs, Ya Allah. Allow us to overpower our nafs and shaitan, Ya Allah. Allah put barakah in the remainder month, days till Ramadan and allow us to reach Ramadan safely Allah make this Ramadan the most beneficial most beautiful Ramadan of our lives oh Allah allow the people to come back to the masjid oh Allah allow the masajid to get filled up once again oh Allah oh Allah allow the deeny institution to get filled up back again oh Allah oh Allah we ask you to grant us yaqeen and strength in our yaqeen and our faith ya Allah oh Allah please remove all the barriers between us and our masajid ya Allah oh Allah we ask you Allah to allow this upcoming Saturday's event to become a huge source of barakah and khair for the entire ummah Oh, allow thousands to become inspired. Allow thousands to start coming back to the masajid. Allow thousands to start connecting to the Quran and start connecting to ilm, Ya Allah. Oh, Allah, protect this institution and all of us in our families and our lives and our iman. Oh, Allah, protect all of us, Ya Allah, from every direction. Oh, Allah, protect the masjid and the madrasa. Oh, Allah, from every type of hasad and nadar, from every type of sihar, Oh, Allah, from every type of evil planning of the plotters, Ya Allah. Oh, Allah, allow your khas special mercy to descend upon this institution. And oh, Allah, allow your angels to be sent from all sides to be guarding it, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you the dhikr and the amal and the, and the durus that take place here to become a, itself a means of, of, of protection of this institution and for the staff and for the students and for all the musallis and those who attend the programs, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, let whoever walks by this place, whoever looks at its picture, whoever drives by it, whoever hears its name, whoever enters it, whoever listens to any of the programs, allow all of them to get hidayah, Ya Allah. Allow all of them, Ya Allah, to be able to feel the, the iman increasing, the love for you and the love for Rasulullah SAW increasing in the heart. Oh Allah, allow all of us to be connected to the true path to be part of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Oh Allah, save us from becoming distracted. Save us from being misguided into bid'at and innovations in the deen, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, save us from making anything halal into haram or anything haram into halal, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, whatever du'as that Rasulullah asked you, whatever good he asked from you, grant us all that good. Whatever evil he sought refuge in you from, grant us refuge from all of that. Oh Allah, reward our parents, our teachers, and all of those who became a means of us gaining the deen. Oh Allah, we ask you to reward them fully, whether they are alive or have passed away. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifood. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. والحمد لله رب العالمين آمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته